live. Welcome to the Wage of Cinema. I'm Jack. I'm Andrew. And, and we have a supplemental for you in honor of our 100th episode. Yeah, I mean, we used to, I mean, we, we haven't quite done as many of our kind of three-part uh, segments for you lately, but, you know, this is our 100th episode. We want to give you this special gift of the Jack and Andrew experience. And uh, here it is. Here it is, guys. Um, so, so we, on 100 episodes, we've yes. done a lot of stuff. We've talked about movies we haven't seen. We've talked about movies we've seen five times in a row. Yes. We've talked about general subjects, and we've talked about just like movies we've seen. We did a live show. We we did a live show. Yes, and we did uh, and we did another thing that I don't remember right now. <laughs> What, 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 what? We, we, are you talking about movies, series? We reviewed movies in the theater. We've yeah, we've got we've a seen... lot to choose from. Jack, tell me, what is your favorite episode of this podcast? It's it might be what we call uh, recency bias, uh, so to speak. But I think that it was the My Little Pony episode. Really? And I think it might just be because of the experience of going to see that of that that movie. Right. Um. So, so. I had I had a close runner up though I should mention like my my close runner up to that one was uh, our uh, our X Men Apocalypse review because <laughs> I think that one we were just all so like we were pretty stunned by the the poorness of that film <laughs> yeah there, there were certain flaws you could say in in, uh, in that insert film. clip of X Men Apocalypse review here <laughs> I should yeah. <laughs> Who is criminally misused? Okay, Apocalypse. Why is Oscar Isaac Apocalypse? Because he's the hot young star that was still affordable at the time when they signed him. <laughs> Just like Jennifer Lawrence. Yes. Yeah, good point. He, I bet the studio is probably now like, oh crap, now we actually have, have to pay Jennifer Lawrence a salary. Yeah. Abusing Oscar Isaac, a tremendously gifted actor like this, violates the Geneva Convention. You, you didn't wow, even. He you, was, he you was didn't unrecognizable even know. Yeah, in that role. you didn't. You didn't know that it was him. Yeah, when we were watching the credits, I saw Oscar Isaac, and I turned to Jack and I said, "Who is Oscar Isaac in this film?" <laughs> now, how many of you have seen? Raise your hands. How many of you have seen the Money Morphin Power Rangers movie? Uh, none of you. Well, we can't. The audience can't see us raising our hands. All right, so. but no. Say if you. Did I have not, not seen it. No. 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 All right. Well, I guess I'm the only idiot who saw that movie. <laughs> How but, was it? Way to go, Jack. It was Mighty Morphin. But the point is, if you ever watch that movie or Google it, the villain of that movie, played by Paul Freeman, looks exactly like Apocalypse in this movie. <laughs> now I don't know if whether now Matt, you could tell me in the comics. Is this close to how he looks? Um, it's a combination of things, but from the shoulders up, it sucked. And that's really <laughs> where you need to get Apocalypse right. Like, he it, looked it, like it, crap. You have to get his face you right. You have to get his face right, because he's, he's famous for having giant blue lips, which he doesn't have in the movie. Or, like, a prominent brow ridge. And, like, you know, there's this, these affectations... Brow ridges, people. That brow are very ridges. important. Um, but, yeah, no, it was... Uh, it was a tough call in my brain, but I realized that I just really liked, I just loved that experience so much of going to see that film, us being alone in the theater, getting to riff on it, uh, so, sort of. And me acquainting you with the intricacies of the world of Equestria. Yeah, well, again, I had seen some My Little Pony before that, so I had a little bit of knowledge, but it was Not kind enough. of... enough. Yeah, it, it's kind <laughs> of like the, the, the kid who... 
thinks he knows all the kung fu, and then he gets brought in uh, uh, to with the the master into the the dojo. Yeah, and then he has to. Okay, now you're gonna break this gigantic block of uh, bricks with your hand. Yeah, see if you can do it. And I'm gonna set this on fire too. <laughs> um, that was a good night for me too. Yeah, because it was something. For for me, it was pure self indulgence. Yeah, <laughs> I was indulging you a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you had bought me my ticket. It was it was a present, and and you, you were as you were just as eager to do this thing as I was. Mm. At least I assume so. Well, sometimes. Well, again, <laughs> part of part of the joy of doing this podcast is just trying to open up to experiences that I might not have outside of it. So, yeah. you know, like, or, so something like my little pony or like a number of the films that we did during the, the whole list series that, you know, I don't know if I would have watched like the golden voyage of Sinbad if, if you hadn't made me uh, check that out. No. And yeah. So when I think back to, I, cause I re-listened to uh, the episode, uh, uh, not, not too long ago. Uh, we just recorded that, uh, in the past month, but, uh, I just thought that also we got a good conversation going about the movie and we're able to try to dig into, you know, what didn't work about it. I'm not really the audience for them, but that, that's the but crazy thing about my little pony. It's weird that like this, because my little pony is not nothing new. There used to be a my little pony in the eighties and, then it went away for a while, and now it's been brought back for uh, a number of years. Actually, it kind of never went away. It really? Just, it had its big surge in the '80s, but it always came back in like these little shows that were not that were nothing. Really? And it never got any attention. So, so there's like, I could go to Comic Con, and like there'll be this hipster dealer or something who'll be like, "Hey, man, I got My Little Pony from 1997." Yes. <laughs> But the thing is, all oh of it God. was all of it was crap until the until what network rebooted it. To it this was on version? it was on a, a TV like it was on a TV channel called The Hub, okay, which was like new on cable. Yeah, and it was like the channel was owned by Hasbro, right? So they used it as like their thing for all of their toy television show products there was a gi joe cartoon there yes. were all these transformers cartoons all this stuff but one of the but one of the but the show that launched that that channel and made it a success mm -hmm. was my little pony friendship is magic yes because it, it not only was good but it got a ton of men Interested in well, My Little Pony. Well, that, I can't explain it. Well, as, a, as one of those men. Well, I mean, <laughs> there's even a term for it, too, isn't it? There, the bronies. Yeah, so do you consider yourself part of the, the bronies? Uh, it's not like I walk down the street saying, hey, guys, brony here. <laughs> but... <laughs> you, 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 you recognize your kinfolk and you make your, you, you turn your fists into hooves and pound hooves there's there's a name for that it's called bro hoof i, I was joking <laughs> <laughs> jesus christ which yeah. was also the fascinating thing because i think that if because in my head i had had like an expectation about we were going to come out of this movie and Andrew's going to be like yeah and i'm <laughs> just going to be like Rrr. yeah but that didn't turn out to be the case we were able to dig into it 
after all this time of doing these episodes and it we it was more probably more in depth than that movie deserves but you may be right but i think there's something to be said about how how much depth we went into with this film because it it, it was easy to dismiss yes and i have to admit i didn't expect anything fantastic from my little pony i was pretty sure it was just going to be kind of a movie cash in the obligatory cartoon the the obligatory animated film for a popular television cartoon. There was a mixture for you of genuine anticipation because it is a property and a uh, and a cartoon you love, but it's also the fear of what is this going to be. Yes, and and I was I can't say I was disappointed or that I was wowed. I, I pretty much met my expectations. Okay. I, I was well. I was a little disappointed because I thought there was a lot more potential with it. But then we went back to your house, and we went point by point of what was good about the movie. Exactly. Moments that we genuinely enjoyed. Yeah. And then we talked about well, how could this have been better? How could uh, like how could they have aspired to something different? Yeah. And yeah, that was a really good night. You didn't dismiss it out of hand. I didn't uncritically accept it. But we just, uh, it was all about like that opening of a dialogue. Right. And that's, uh, I think that's, uh, that's something that I think struck out to me that, uh, also just some of the, the our exchanges I thought were kind of funny the yeah. way that, uh, I would bring up something and you would confirm it yeah. as being a thing in the lore. And I'd yeah. be like, I was joking. And then like, you're <laughs> laughing about it. <laughs> it is that thing of it's almost like having like a comedy team or something yeah you you start to mention things i'm like well actually you're not far (laughs) off (laughs) yeah i i think it's the expectation of like also just listening to it for me it's like Two grown-ass men going to see a movie about cartoon ponies that is, like, popped up on sugar. It was was an absurd situation. Yeah. And, Uh, again, it's, like, it's funny because, like, again, it's also a movie that... It's not like anybody was really clamoring for a theatrical My Little Pony movie. No. I mean, it's, it's a thing that is put out there because there is a fan base. And they knew that some people go see it. Ultimately, I don't think as many people went to go see it as maybe they thought. Maybe not. No, I mean I, this. This th- wasn't big, like, uh, you know, this didn't do like Despicable Me money or something no, like that. Not. It's kind of a, a weird thing because My Little Pony is still going on now. Yeah. And I don't watch it as much as I used to. Oh, okay. Uh, the thing has sort of died down for me. When I have caught it again, it's been good. So there hasn't been the big drop off in quality. So this movie might almost be a a sign of like this is part of maybe what could be the decline of this era of my little pony i don't know it because uh, it's hard to tell because my involvement in the whole thing has been kind of has been lessening but i did feel like the fandom had reached its peak maybe about a year or two ago ah and that was kind of sad to me because you know it was all just kind of it had been this very positive thing that we all enjoyed, and then you know people started paying less attention to it, and people started going. To Maybe the movie should have come out like three years ago. Well, yeah, but back then there was no. They were the, focusing more on the show. That that too, but no one knew like if 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 the movie came out three years ago, 
you would have had to have planned it maybe like two or three years in advance. Okay. And six years ago, there was no they need inkling to, of what so this could have become. So, for lack of, a, lack of a better term, they need to build up their mythology a little bit more. I don't think so. I think it's just like back six years ago, you would have no idea that My Little Pony Friendship is Magic would have become the explosively popular thing it was. Yes. I mean, and you know, if it, you know, if it had hit, it wasn't a hit back then. No. And if it had, and you know, if you'd hit it at the peak of fandom, they would have made more money. Yeah. And I, some, but it's still, yeah. but it, I still don't think it would have been a better film. Yeah. And it may, certainly wasn't a better film coming out six years after yeah. that point. Maybe a year from now, we watch the 80s movie. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I, now, it's um, got Tony Randall in it. And Danny DeVito. There we go. So, uh, what, now, what is your pick for the episode? My favorite episode is another movie review we did, Batman vs. Superman. <laughs> Justice. I've re-listened to that, too. There are, some, there are some fun bits of us going back and forth. That one that. must be the one I listen to the most. Really? I'm just like, whenever I'm just like messing around and I'm like thinking about the podcast, it's like, yeah, let's listen to that Batman vs. Superman thing. And <laughs> because that was, I mean, again, I, I can't say that that was a disappointment for me. When, when just, you say the movie was a disappointment? Like, I had no stake going into Batman vs. Superman. I wasn't, I'm not a huge Batman and Superman fan. I love things a lot better than Well, that. you also weren't that invested in Man of Steel. As True. a lot of people, you know, going into this Batman v. Superman movie, it's not like Man of Steel did the work that, you know, maybe they thought Batman Begins was going to do all this work like like that, but yeah. it didn't. And th- then you get this movie, which is basically like a hot mess that is half an hour shorter than its intended, you know, quote, ultimate edition that's now on Blu-ray. Right, but I had no emotional stake in it. Okay. If it, if it was... If I it, had a stake as far as it just being, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of those, of Batman in yeah. general and, and some of those characters... But I had a feeling from Man of Steel, and from everything that had come out about that, that this was going to be something dumb. <laughs> and then I went in there, and it exceeded my expectations for dumbness. That Man of Steel did? Yes. Oh, but then did but did Batman v Superman exceed your expectations of how dumb that would be? Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was what that was the first that was the first major line of that review. When we were just like, this all right, this, this is dumb. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then we, and, and as we were sitting in there, you, Matt and I, yeah, Matt Catania and I, we were sitting there talking about it and explaining to Corey who hadn't gone to see it, mm-hmm. what exactly had happened in the theaters. Yeah. That, that was the fun part of the review was her not having seen the film and she's kind of there listening to us. I don't know if she was listening every moment that no. we were done, but then like we would say something and she's going to suddenly would go, what? Yes. Like we, we, we because we, that was our reaction in the theater too. Well, because it's just, this is a movie with, you know, characters that used to be, you know, you know, you put like a little Superman or Batman <laughs> magnet on your fridge and at grandma's house and it looks nice. And you know, it's like, Oh, Superman. I remember him from the cereal. <laughs> and this is a movie where, a character uses a jar of piss. But it's not just even uh, that it's silly. Man. It's stupid. <laughs> it's I, it's there stupid are so on many the... questionable things. Like, first of all, 
this is not something to go against it. Jesse Eisenberg's performance in that film is... Or he's on another planet. I almost, like, as far as fun, bad performances in movies go, that's, like, one of my favorite fun, bad performances it's of the beautiful. decade. It's so beautiful how shitty it is. And because Jesse Eisenberg is miscast in that part. It, he is wildly not appropriate for that part now i won't say he didn't do something with it yeah it's just that what he did with it i don't know maybe he thought in his head well you know everybody else in this movie it's so grim dark and oppressive and you know even you know sunny uh amy adams is very uh has a gloomy disposition and you know i'm gonna be the one thing that lightens things up and you know, he he makes like a Joel Schumacher character look subtle by comparison. Yeah, I always keep Arnold going, Schwarzenegger and his puns. Yeah, are nothing compared to the wild insanity of Jesse Eisenberg in Batman versus Superman. We always thought that demons came from hell. They come out of the sky. Yeah, <laughs> so many lines and just behavior. The thing I keep going back to is his final moment in the movie when he's in the prison cell. I've talked about this, and he just goes up to the prison bars after he's had a of like a Batman's visit in his cell and said like whatever he, yeah. he said. And Jesse Eisenberg just goes up to the cell. The camera's panning back, and Jesse Eisenberg is just going. What are you doing? What? (laughs) (laughs) What's happening? Right. That's the reaction to a lot of what happens in Batman v Superman. Like, why is this happening? Why? So, like, why is that? Why is Michael Shannon, Michael Shannon's corpse used as, like, this guy Doomsday or whatever And you know Michael Shannon got money off of this. He didn't got, have to say a word. It, they had to use his likeness, so yes. he had to sign off on it. So he got like a nice chunk of change off of that, and then okay, whatever. Uh, and, <laughs> and but it was just, it, I don't like to use the word pretentious mm-hmm. because it just makes you seem pretentious a lot of times. But it was like they were talking about all these high-minded concepts, which had nothing to do with what was going on. Okay, now here's the weird thing about this movie. I was very against Batman versus Superman when they first announced it years ago, and I even wrote a big article of things they shouldn't do, and now everyone's been ragging on it, and there's tons of negative reviews online that I want to avoid so I can see it for myself. So I came in with very low expectations, and the right. weird thing was I didn't hate the movie. I was kind of fascinated by the fact that this movie exists because it's trying to do so many different things at once, and it was just like a lot of head scratches, like, Wait, why would you put this in a big tentpole movie? That's like a crazy ass move, and yet you still did it. And I'm, I'm like, there was parts that I hated, and there was parts that I loved, and then there was a lot of parts that were just kind of there. But like, mm. I don't know. It seems like a lot of times movies are either like the best movie ever or the worst movie ever, and I find this a lot of hyperbole. This is just like a a weird ass movie that I'm glad it exists, so that we got it out of the way, and we can now hopefully move on to better films. But yeah. Yeah, maybe I, I can step. I could see what you're saying. It, it's like this is the, uh, this is like the teenagers' crazy, like, like schizophrenic, like dep- manic depressive years before he becomes like the great composer or something. Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah, I don't know if I quite feel that positive, but I, I didn't hate either. 
That's I what I meant to say. I didn't hate it either. I just wish I could have talked in the theater. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wanted to riff this movie. No. And it was like, it started, tried to seem smart when the plot was just making these ridiculous little points. It's like, oh, Superman killed these people with bullets that he apparently shot out of his eyes? And then, it's, it's weird. Well, it's also tonally just wrong in so many places. Like... You know, you want to have, like, maybe some type of contrast between those characters. Like, imagine, like, you could almost... I could picture the Superman and Batman from the Richard Donner-verse and the Tim Burton-verse... Sure. ...meshing better than the Superman-Batman do here, because you actually have the contrast. You have the more optimistic and, you know, he can be serious, but he also can be a little goofy in a, in a fun way uh christopher reeve superman you have michael keaton who has his own little quirk but quirks but he's also very dark and brooding mysterious yeah you put them together in a movie that could be really interesting here they're they're both like it's like and that was weird because because like superman got... saves people and it looks like the most depressing dreary thing to do that he has no joy in whatsoever right and then it's like but we had no problem with the act you don't like henry cavill as the, in superman as I, too much I, I can see his potential yeah. and i don't think it's fully realized it's think, not that i don't like him i think that it's almost because he's well cast it's yeah. just that he's not the potential isn't realized I the script is not this. there to make the most of that that pairing henry and, cavill as superman is wasted in the scripts he's getting. Uh, and Ben Affleck is a really good Bruce Wayne and Batman. Mm -hmm. But then, when you put them in a script, which is this brooding and dark, which without let-up, it becomes this it becomes this kind of garbage heap. <laughs> Leading up to, you know, me, I, I still love me trying to parse through right after I've seen it, the whole Martha scene. Yeah. Before that became a thing. Because, again, I had just come fresh from seeing the film... And this this wasn't yet like a pop culture, like meme meme. Uh, well, you could almost say it's like a pop. It's like the nadir of these movies. Yeah, if, and, that, if that's the right term. And it's great that Matt was there because as soon as that movie ended, I walk. I was walking out with Matt. I I had wished that we had had the theater to ourselves. Yeah, so because we, we were in like it. a packed theater. Yeah, for that. Uh, and then we looked. And then I, I looked at Matt and it's like, I didn't know that both their mother's names were Martha. And he's like, I didn't know either. And Matt's the comic book guy. And then you brought that up in the review and we were like, us too. And it's that, just... that, that's one of those moments that made that review really wonderful. And then we're talking about like the jar of piss scene and like how no one seems to like Superman at all, but somehow everyone's torn up when he's dead. And how they and, then... and how they bring like they try to connect this to the Justice League through like a computer Windows presentation. And Matt and Matt brings up an interesting point at that time because he's like, "There's so many things in this film that people who aren't comic book fans aren't going to get." No, but there are so many things that I got which were awesome. I'm paraphrasing you, Matt. Uh, yeah. I'm not, uh, but this is the essence of I what you said. I think Matt might have liked it a little bit more than us, probably. But I was just I think he went in with low, I think he went in, I think he went in though with lower expectations than us too. He he said I went in with expectations that were too high. Because I laid out like my my criteria with 
on what I was thinking when I went in. And I was just like, one of my conditions for this film to be successful is that Wonder Woman would play a meaningful part in the plot, yes. which didn't happen. And immediately after that, Matt says, you have very high expectations. <laughs> I I still like Wonder Woman in the movie, though. She's one I of the brightest parts. For what, she's, for what it's worth, she's good. But it's like you could have cut her out. Like you could have cut out every could've. every other scene of her in the beginning of the film, and then she could have just shown up out of nowhere. She would have been just as awesome as if she as as if she left her in there. I think that actually, what it's sad to say it because, and you know it, what it's, I it's think about ro- Wonder Woman the movie. Well, well, we don't need to get into that. Um, I actually I think that's a good review too, but that's for. Almost because it's are an that example one, of a tension in the room. Yeah, that one was great because I was clearly the odd man out in that film in that film review. Yeah, and I was very, very insistent that I was right. Well, I think then that made it a little bit awkward because you know we don't have the kind of like we're not like adversarial film reviewers. We don't get Typically, into fights. No. You don't, we don't get into fights really that hard. You know, you know we're not like Siskel and Ebert where no. you, you see them together and you can tell that they like, they have no problem gnashing at each other's throats. Like, right. you know, like they're like, they're like a couple of awesome junkyard dogs. They're, or they're something. like, I think it's, it's the whole brother thing. Like they yeah. talked about in Rod, that Roger Ebert like, documentary. So. Yeah, they 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 had that brotherly adversarial thing where they could they could go below the belt every once in a while, and they could you know savage each other. And they but, meant it, right? And they and but you know in the end they were just like, well, yeah, we're gonna work together. We don't hate each other. Yeah, yeah. And like the next day, you know, it was all forgotten. It's like, all right, see you next time. Yeah, I mean, it's but uh, we rarely disagree on the the essence of a review. Yeah, and we certainly didn't disagree on Batman versus Superman. No, no, no. I think we were all pretty much on the same page that that was a gigantic hot mess, and uh, and that we were all just collectively just in a dumbfounded state over how this got made and how there there was all this potential that was just pure confusing, like mess of. But, but all put together by a director who didn't seem to understand exactly what the impact of his of his work would be. That he un- well he understood I think the impact of some of his imagery, but also a some of his imagery was also way overdone because how many goddamn times can we see Batman's parents be killed? That's what you brought up in the review. <laughs> yeah, that's something that really bothered me. I hated that, and also not just that, they also cut back to it again uh, in. You know, when he said, you know, because during that Martha bit, you know, he says, save Martha! And then Batman's standing there, and they have to cut back to the bullets going out of the gun and the pearls flying. And I was just sitting there, I remember in the seat going, oh my god. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my god. I think that was what added to the shock of that whole bit. It wasn't just... The ridiculousness that all of a sudden you say this name and we're gonna stop fighting. It's yeah. also that it's also that visual cue, which I, I might have talked about this before, where it's like the Chineseization of of movies. Right. That was something that confused me during the review. You said very strongly something about uh, uh, making films for China, and I was like, "What? What are you talking about?" And then later on, I found out, you know, this is something we've talked about too like privately it's that in china when you have films like this you you typically 
rewind the audience of yeah. those things over and over again. It's, yeah. a, it's a trope of Chinese cinema where it's like, in order to keep the audience into the film, you have to yeah. you have to pull these and, things and, up again. And, and, and even, it's something yeah. that we in the West think is excessive. Well, if done right, it can be fine. I mean, I've seen it done in certainly in certain in instances like you know Christopher Nolan's done it in films and the, and the, he did it in movies before like they were going off into China and stuff but um it's when it's it, it becomes like you know as much as I love Blade Runner 2049 in my rev, in the review of that I brought up how that was something that bothered me like where they did that a little bit but you were I think I you were about to say something else about the Martha bit the Martha bit also the ridiculousness of that scenario Batman is so bent on killing Superman because he perceives him as a threat. All because sudden, he's been told he's a threat by Lex Luthor, and there's a whole other shit with that. But we won't. Get and he's that so right. determined. He he disregards the advice of Alfred. He goes up against the superhuman man yeah. in an attempt to kill him, mm-hmm. and goes through this whole entire process. And then once he has the man cornered, all Superman has to say is something having to do with his mother. And that motherly recognition gives him enough empathy to suddenly 180 turn and say, okay, I won't kill you. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> yeah there's, well, there's that part Considering of it. Considering he was so driven, that one thing is like, what? It's it's a what the, it's a what the F sandwich, because you have that part of it. You also have just the fact that he used, says the name Martha when... You know the the idea too with soup with Superman is that you know he was raised on Earth as Clark Kent. He he views you know uh, Ma and Pa Kent as his parents. You would think he would call them by his mother and father. It's forced. It's so forced. It's the, and then the way that Lois the most forced. And then the way that Lo, and then the way that Lois Lane then comes in right at that moment and he's like what because Batman's saying over and over again why did you say that name why did you say that name and then yeah. she's like he's it's mommy's name. Oh my god. It's his mom's name. Okay, bye. <laughs> oh, it's his mom's name? Okay, I'm gonna go back into that building and beat up these bad guys. Yeah. It is it's easily one of the worst story decisions I think that we've but, had in any blockbuster but in a it long made time. For a really fun review. It did. It but did. that was the first time I ever went into the movie theater for a review and said, "Man, I wish this theater was empty because I just want to talk." <laughs> if, uh, there's if, nothing if, on the film screen that's there's nothing on the screen that's keeping me keeping me occupied. I wish I could just talk about how dumb this is with my friends. And and ironic, and then yeah. the My Little Pony review, we finally get that opportunity. Although there were things in that movie though that you could say that you could watch though that you didn't have to talk to me. Well. That's yeah, that's true. I mean, you, it gave us that opportunity to do that. Yeah, but... it, it, <laughs> it, was a, it was a really nice opportunity just to be alone in a theater with with someone you can talk to. I feel like if we had the uh, if we'd had that for someone mother, you're not gonna make out with. If we had had that experience for mother, we probably would have gotten like a really good experience in the theater for that. Although actually, I probably would have been trying uh, to pay attention mother. to that movie. Yeah, anyway. I think I, I think I would have been a little more ra- uh, riveted by that film. Yeah, but that's a good example, and I think uh, it's a uh, nice contrast between that's, those two. That's kind of why I didn't I didn't just choose the mother episode to talk about because right. you know that was a really intense film going experience. By the time we recorded, I was just worn out yeah. by that movie, 
And I'm just like, I'll give you my thoughts, and then I'm going to go home to go to bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a little bit like uh, with when we saw Dunkirk, too. Like, a I felt bit, a little yeah. worn out by that a little bit. And I... Um, and I, I still love that movie too, by the way. I know that was one of those reviews where I was like, oh my god, this is the best thing I've ever seen. I, I had like a bummer review moment in that where I was like, oh, oh my god, god, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, <laughs> I've cooled down a little bit. It's now not my number one movie of the year, but it is up there. Okay. I, still, I still love it quite a bit. There are a couple of movies that have since probably taken that spot. and I've There's I've, this guy named Kirk. <laughs> And he gets things done, and they're all just sitting on the but beach. But he can't get done because he's stuck on the beach, and he can't get... All right. And then there's this plane that keeps flying over, and Tom, th- Tom Hardy gives the thumbs up sign, and then, <laughs> and then you, then there's this guy in a boat, and you know he just is really just wants to go back home, and he can't get home, and right. everybody yeah. dies. All right. All right. So, um, but <laughs> thank yeah. you, Doug Walker. Yeah, thank you, Doug Walker. We'll send you the check. But, uh, but yeah. So, those are a couple of our favorite reviews that we wanted to share. Our uh, why we enjoy those experiences. Uh, I gotta say, it wasn't a lot of fun to record these things because you know I was just kind of reading off these things. But the entire experience of doing the cinema immersion tank was a really exciting thing to do. Mm. Even though sometimes... that, that's a good that's a good question. Like what as far as not just episode but experience. I think that the experience that, that's of, a good point. of doing that, of doing the cinema immersion tank was was a lot of fun. I, I have to say that's probably been like it, it's probably been the highlight for me of doing this podcast over like the entire year and just how um it because it, it, it's it's something that I had to navigate through you know, the, my, living my life and having to, you know, work a job that's not this podcast and do other things. And it's, uh, and it, sometimes it was difficult to manage. I'm right. not going to lie to try to get all those movies in, in a week. Um, but if you especially, could, yeah. in, especially when I had to watch the five movies, the week of the election, <laughs> that was rough. That was really rough. I was off that week because you were doing it. <laughs> ah, yes, yes. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I, I know what you mean by that. It was fun because it was, uh, I was I was pushing myself as a movie watcher in a way I'd never done in my life. Right. And then when you record it, you're just like basically reading an essay that you did. So it's like, oh, I messed up that line. Let's go back. So so the the process of making that episode is not so great, like the nuts and bolts, but actually doing it. And then building up those thoughts in your mind to think like, well, what am I going to say about this? I know what I mm. want to say. But how am I going to put that on paper? Yeah. And that that's that's a very rewarding moment, and it was really rewarding for me when I talked about Frozen. Yeah, <laughs> of all films. Yeah, Frozen was the highlight. Yeah, episode. Fro- yeah, Frozen was the, your highlight, and I, I'm trying to remember what was my my highlight episode again because I, I we did a whole other episode where we talked about we did, our yeah. experience with the tank. This is where we're getting into experienceception. <laughs> <laughs> If that's a term because we're talking about the episode where we talked about our experience with the cinema project. <laughs> All right, before we get too meta, if, if we your... got if we if we went any more up with our heads up our ass, we would uh, be walking around we looking be... very weird. <laughs> All right, <laughs> but what was your most rewarding uh, cinema immersion tank experience? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it was probably. Uh... 
because I'm just trying to think back through all of them. Because I, unfor- it was kind of sad. I almost had forgotten it one a, a couple of like a couple of the movies that you had done like recently. Cause like when we talked about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, cause I had seen it again, I had, uh, I had forgotten that you had done that for the tank. Yeah. We had talked about it. Yeah. But I, um, it's tough because I mean, there were some times where a movie, it was, it was tough to keep being engaged because once you get so, once you've experienced a movie a couple of times, it can be it can wear you out a little bit more. I think Vertigo might have been my might have been the one that I appreciated the most because it, I really actually went on a journey through like watching the films where I started in the first couple of times watching it and ended up somewhere else by the end. How I perceived the film, yeah, and maybe that was shit I was bringing in from other things going on in the world at the time, but. Uh, but yeah, it gave me a new appreciation for it in a way that I, you know, I'd already put that as one of my favorite films, and yet, you know, there were things about it that I didn't expect that I would find out about. That 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 was the joy of that experience. Also, as you said with Frozen, you found things about that that you, you know, burrowing deep into the hole. We were like, it was like that movie, The Core. <laughs> The core <laughs> movies. I haven't seen the core, but I know that's about like they go into the center of the earth or something, yeah. right? Um, so anyway, if you guys have a favorite episode of ours, uh, please send us an email to wagesofcinema at gmail.com. Uh, tell us why you, you like our uh, why you like a particular episode. Again, we have episodes going all the way back. I mean, you can go all the way back to our very first one where we talked about our favorite movies and uh, um, our, my very first uh you know, essential required reading uh, for the disaster artist, which is interesting because that's now coming out as a movie in a couple months. Nice. Um, you know, or, or Facebook, Twitter, make sure to send us a message. And once again, we like you know, we're, we're thank you for keeping interested and keeping uh, playing our podcast. You know, whenever I look at the number of plays that we get on uh, SoundCloud, uh, you know, it just really, uh, you know, I'm I'm really humbled, frankly, by you know, seeing the people who listen to a podcast, like, and, you know, seeing plays like over a hundred. And then, you know, we have some episodes that have, you know, thousands of plays, you know, we might have one podcast pretty soon that will get like 10,000 plays. Uh, crazy. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's just kind of talking about things that interest us that you guys are maybe finding interesting too. Um, and I think you said also on iTunes, there's rankings on there as well for certain episodes. So that's really nice. Um, when we come back next time, uh, we are going to actually go see another new comic book movie. Um, another new comic book movie and the new because podcast. there's no because there's no lack of them. Uh, you I'm can't happy. escape them. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, this one has Jeff Goldblum, so I'm I'm really looking forward to that. So, on behalf of the Wages of Cinema, once again, episode 100. Yay, we made it! Yay. And the wages of cinema are death. Bye. Hey, grammatically you did something a little different. Thank you.